Was that your Godzilla roar? Yeah, sadly. Nice. Hey everybody, welcome to this kaiju-powered episode of Super Sci-Fi Party, the only podcast where we talk exclusively about fun science fiction movies, TV shows, and more. No post-apocalyptic downer sci-fi allowed. My name is Todd Kinsley, and with me as always is my robot thrashing, Japan trashing, kaiju cockroach smashing co-host and brother, Scott Kinsley. How are things in your secret alien underworld today, Scott? Oh, it's going great. We just got the new sun up and running. It's really nice. Excellent. Today we're talking about the movie Godzilla vs. Megalon. Godzilla vs. Megalon debuted in Japan in 1973, and it debuted in the U.S. in April of 1976. Scott, what was competing with Godzilla vs. Megalon back in 1976? Uh, Godzilla was up against all the president's men. The Bad News Bears, something called Family Plot, and Stay Hungry. The Twisted Sister song? Yep, the whole album. Stay hungry, every <laughs> And Bad News Bears, that's stiff competition, because that's a great movie. Yeah, it was. Horribly, horribly dated now, but a great movie. And probably targeted towards the same age group. <laughs> probably. Well, for those of you not familiar with Godzilla... Um, I don't think you exist, so <laughs> we don't need to speak to you. Concept of Godzilla is that he was, well, originally he was a dinosaur that was awakened by the nuclear tests in the Pacific back in, what, 40s or 50s or whatever. And then he mutated a bit and got the ability to breathe radioactive breath. Wasn't necessarily fire to start with and attacked uh, Japan. And this, of course, it refers to a film series that I believe started in black and white, correct? Yep, black and white in 1954. They had a uh, second release. They kind of did a re-release for American audiences. They had, uh, what was his name, Raymond Burr in it, I believe. Ah, uh, yes, I should have clarified a Japanese film series. <laughs> yep. And then Godzilla, of course, has been reimagined a few times and... Typically, it's the same story. There is a creature that gets either awakened or mutated or both from nuclear testing in the Pacific. And, of course, there was a recent Godzilla movie called... Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Which was released um, this spring in 2021. Yep. Not a bad movie, if I say so. Nope, it was fun. They When they redid that, they started a thing called the Monsterverse. And so far, the two main stars of it are Godzilla and Kong. Well, soon I hear Leatherface is going to be joining <laughs> it from, of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So they, they started the MonsterVerse. They started with Godzilla. They uh, had kind of a darker kind of force of nature tone with him. He was still a good guy, but they were trying to go more realistic with him. And by the time we get to Godzilla versus Kong, they understand what the fans want, and you get just a lot of giant monsters smackdown happening in a city. They get back to the fun. 
So Godzilla is basically supposed to be a mutated, is it dinosaur or specifically T-Rex? Uh, dinosaur, not the T-Rex. In one of the movies, they actually called it the Godzillasaurus. Godzillasaurus. Yep. And there is a long running series of movies from Japan and they migrated to America and around the world where the giant monster basically fights other giant monsters and or humans. Yep. And a lot of times it uh, started as guys in giant rubber suits. Well, I said giant rubber suits. They're regular sized rubber suits, but they're, <laughs> they're shot amongst miniatures and miniaturized sets and models and things to make it look like the people are giant. And this is the basic premise of Godzilla. And they slow things down slightly to give it the look of uh, something huge. And basically they smash up towns and they fight laser tanks and it's, it's as fun of sci-fi as you can possibly find, yep. which is not a correct sentence, but I said it anyway. <laughs> I think it would just be so incredibly fun to be on that set in one of those suits smashing through the little towns. Yeah, that kind of thing has been spoofed several times in videos and music videos. And I believe for a while, possibly still going, there was some kind of wrestling league in Los Angeles Really? Where people dressed up like monsters of that sort and battled each other and big foam things. How am I just hearing about this now? Oh, you don't know about that. I will have to look it up after the podcast. I wish I could remember off the top of my head what it's called, but it's kind of crazy. So it's definitely become a cultural phenomenon. And the one we're talking about today, specifically Godzilla versus Megalon, I'm going to say up front, it is not the best Godzilla movie ever made. But it might be one of the most fun Godzilla movies ever made. And it has the uh, pleasure of being like the second, I think only the second Godzilla movie that had very good uh, U.S. popularity. Uh, yes, I believe it was popular in the U.S., much to the consternation of many hardcore Godzilla fans who did not like the film. What's not to like? Come on. I think part of the problem is that Godzilla only appears really in the last 20 minutes of the film. Yeah. He just shows up for the big fight out at the end, and uh, apparently that wasn't enough for hardcore Godzilla fans. Also, uh, there are a few other issues that we'll get into later, but Godzilla versus Megalon had an interesting tagline. You know, films have multiple taglines. Um, one of them is Titan against Titan, Giant against Giant, and the most spectacular battle yet. Which totally makes sense. Yeah. Because Megalon is another giant monster that resembles a cockroach. <laughs> yep. And he's going to fight Godzilla. But another tagline for the film was introducing Robot Man. Robot Man? Or <laughs> like, what the? Who's Robot Man? Uh, apparently that was somebody's translation, I guess. Uh, come on, people. Of, of course, there's a giant robot in, in the movie named Jet Jaguar, and apparently in the U.S., someone wanted to call him Robot Man. So it was introducing Robot Man. That is so horrible. Godzilla versus Megalon. Although I think that's copyright infringement, too. Wasn't there a Robot Man in D.C.? I bet there was. It's a pretty generic name. But you can actually see the trailer for Godzilla vs. Megalon on YouTube. And that's one of the things they say is introducing Robot Man. <laughs> awesome. You're like, wow. Godzilla vs. Megalon was written by Jun Fukada and Sinichi Sekizawa. It was directed by Jun Fukada. 
The cast included Katsuhiku Sasaki as inventor Goro Ibuki, Hiroyuki Kawasi as Rokuro-chan Ibuki, Yukata Hayashi as Hiroshi Jinkawa, Robert Dunham as Emperor Antonio of Seatopia, Kotaro Tamita as lead Seatopian agent, Wolf Otsuki as Seatopian agent, Shinji Tagaji as Godzilla, Haiditu Date as Megalon, Sugu Toshi Komada as Jet Jaguar, Ken Pachiro Satsuma as Gaigan. So they only gave you a break on one name up there, huh? I tried my best and apologies to all the native Japanese speakers everywhere. My knowledge of Japanese is zero. I'm sorry, not quite. I know one phrase thanks to the classic rock band Sticks. <laughs> but we won't go there. So give everybody a really brief synopsis of the plot to Godzilla versus Megalon. There's a, a nuclear test, another underground nuclear test happening in the Pacific. Bad. Yes, those are bad. And it creates an earthquake and drops a ton of rubble and blows up an island and everything. Then we find out that has actually collapsed part of the earth over top of a place called Seatopia, which for everyone out there, if you know the uh, legend of Atlantis, this is kind of the spinoff of it. It's actually supposed to be like a sister city to Atlantis or something, but I believe it's mentioned that a third of their population gets wiped out during this test. So they're pissed off and they're going to war. So they send up Megalon to go and destroy. Megalon is their god, they said. Yes, their god monster protector. And once on the surface, for some reason, the Cetopians don't have any way of controlling him. So they go and steal the remote control for a new robot, Jet Jaguar. And then they use Jet Jaguar there to uh, control Megalon and tell him where to go. So what exactly was the Cetopian's plan if they didn't happen to find a robot named Jet Jaguar to lead him <laughs> around the surface world? Were they just going to unleash him on the surface and hope he did something bad? Yeah, exactly. I have no idea what the plan was or why he wouldn't have you know, just listened anyways, but... Also, why did the Cetopians live in a 1970s ultra-funky underground casino complete with reflective security camera domes on the ceiling? Because it was recorded in the late 60s. I don't know. (laughs) I would say this is uh, definitely one of the fun things that starts right off near the beginning of the film. Um, When you see where the Cetopians live, it's Jaw Dropper from 2021. Oh, yes. It is the most garish, over-the-top, gaudy, like I say, it looks like a 70s casino out of like a comic book or something. It's crazy. There's crazy lights and crazy gold lame everywhere, <laughs> and there are half toga costumes. Oh, it's awesome. The lead man that uh, is speaking, who I think is supposed to be the leader of the Cetopians, has a nip slip in his toga, and <laughs> it's, it's really something to see. He's a very hairy man, too. It's crazy over-the-top. But the story doesn't just stop with Megalon being summoned and sent up to the surface to follow the robot to try to fight Godzilla. Oh, he is sent to destroy Japan. So he gets led over to various cities and scenes and stuff and starts destroying cities and whatnot. 
So the military rallies an attack against Megalon using tanks and a thing called Mazers, although it's never introduced as that in the movie. It's basically a tank with a satellite dish and it shoots kind of electric lasers out. Of course, the model planes coming after him shooting rockets. It's always entertaining to watch the guy in the suit fight all the toys. It's the only job, it's the only acting job where you're going to set wondering every day if you're going to be burned to death. (laughs) The amount of pyrotechnics they set off is amazing. And you can actually see a scene in Godzilla versus Megalon where the Godzilla suit catches on fire. And I don't think it was intentional. Ooh, read up on that one once. It actually was accidental, but they're like, it looks good. Keep it. (laughs) Of course. They're like, keep rolling. He's on fire. All right, so as they're mounting their attack and losing badly, the person who created Jet Jaguar gets in a helicopter and then tries to regain control over him. He has a remote control on a um, 60s man amulet that he wears (laughs) around his chest. Yeah, but it's kind of awesome the first time we see his little man amulet. He's talking to it like it's Siri. He's like, Siri, take me here. And Jet Jaguar is just totally ignoring him. You know, just like he would with Siri. That's So he eventually does regain control. So the scientist that created the robot regains control of the robot. And sends the robot to Monster Island to get Godzilla. It was just kind of chilling, looking like he's waiting for a house guest or something. And then after he's chatted with Godzilla and Godzilla's on his way, he flies back to the mainland to see if he can help. And once he gets back with Megalon, he does some karate poses in front of him. Megalon's kind of looking at him like, hey, it's my little buddy. He's back. He's my only friend on the surface. And then he does another pose and grows up to be the same size as Megalon. So this about six foot tall robot gets up to like 50, 55 feet tall, I think. And then walks up to Megalon, who's still hanging out, chill and going, yes, my friend's here. And then sucker punches him and starts fighting. So the robot starts fighting Megalon. Yep. Who he was supposed to be leading around, but now he has become the enemy of. Yes. Then the Seatopians notice this and then call for help to a distant galaxy or universe. I forget the exact (laughs) phrasing. Well, it's interesting because we noticed they said different universe in the English. We were watching the dubbed version, of course, with the English language dubbed over the Japanese Um, But I'm wondering if it was a translation error and they meant galaxy, but said universe. Yeah. And all the uh, liner notes, it says the galaxy, space hunter galaxy or whatever. So Gigan gets sent to help out Megalon, who's losing to his giant robot Jet Jaguar. They tag team against him and start winning, and then Godzilla shows up. And to make a long story short, it turns into a um, tag team smackdown. It's Jet Jaguar and Godzilla versus Gigan and Megalon. And that's pretty much the crux of the film right there. And it's awesome. You like giant monsters fighting each other. It's great see personally i mean there have been different versions of godzilla including of course um computer generated versions and whatnot but i for my money i still like the guys in the rubber suits fighting the best yep that's what we we were introduced with and it's still the most fun just because you know it's a set out there somewhere and you're like i want to get on that set (laughs) and it looks like they slowed it down just a little bit 
a lot of the scenes where they're in the rubber suits just to kind of help the illusion of largeness or the giant kaiju just to make them look like they might be larger because people think of larger as slower. So there are things that are in slow motion and things blowing up with just slight slow motion. It's a really cool effect. And to me, I just think it's more effective than the CG stuff. It is. It's very effective. I think they actually shoot it in high speed film. So higher speed than normal film. And then, like you said, slow it down. I also like the smirk on the face of many of the Godzilla costumes. <laughs> He kind of looks like he knows something that you don't, and that's sorely missing from at least the computer animated versions that I've seen. I believe the U.S. releases of Godzilla are the only ones that have gone full computer animated with him. Of course, there are also traditionally animated versions of Godzilla. I believe there are different cartoons out there. Ah, the 1980s Hanna-Barbera's Godzilla. I recall that just a little bit, but I don't remember any details. Had an awesome theme song. <laughs> Let me see. that There was the animated Godzilla. was the title of it. was uh, followed up the Godzilla with Matthew Broderick from the U.S. in it. Yeah. And the cartoon animated version was actually far, far better received than the movie itself. In my mind, we don't talk about the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. He's a lovely monster. It's something, but it's not Godzilla. Toho license would disagree. It's Godzilla's weird looking cousin with the big jaw. He does actually fight the real Godzilla in a different movie. Well, that's another thing that I'm not sure people understand about Godzilla. Uh, they had the classic movies in the what, 50s and 60s? Yep, all the way up through the 70s. I think this is like one of the last ones in that particular series. And then at some point it moves on. And I don't know if the licensing changed to a different company. Nope, at that point, it has all been uh, Toho. I think the uh, Matthew Broderick Godzilla was, what, 99? And he was the uh, first one that was licensed out of Toho to a different company to use as Godzilla. Because I have seen some of the later versions, uh, mostly when you are watching them, and there are things like, it looks like Voltron ships and other <laughs> things that I'm not accustomed to seeing inside the classic Godzilla film. So there was definitely a different generation of Godzilla after the classic movies, right? Yeah, there's actually, I think, I want to say like four of them. You have the 54 up through, I believe it was like 73 was the last one. Then it switches up to a new version, which started actually in 1985 with Godzilla 1985. Clever name. And then they have a series of four or five movies in that little thing. Then they took a break and then they restarted in 2000 just after the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Because it was so poorly received, Toho's like, oh no, we got to get back on top of this and release Godzilla 2000. Someone's going to strangle the golden goose, and they were like, no, we can't have that. <laughs> yep, they got another five or six movies out of that. Speaking of Toho, which of course is a Japanese company and the originator of Godzilla, I believe they have a very unique building in Japan now that actually <laughs> looks like Godzilla. I think they have a few now at this point. Uh, do tell. I, I know there is a Godzilla hotel. It's somewhere downtown Tokyo. I don't know for sure. I don't know the town very well. 
But they have a giant Godzilla or I guess life-size Godzilla statue that's kind of grabbing and looking in some of the windows of the hotel. We are definitely going to have to go there if circumstances allow. And then I know there's a few statues of Godzilla over there. And the most recent one is, I believe, another life-size version of Godzilla from the Shin Godzilla movie, where you actually zip line down through Godzilla's mouth and then end up at a gift store. Of course. <laughs> For those of you that are trying to figure out which Godzilla movie this is, if you're a casual fan of Godzilla, there's two easy ways to tell uh, which one it is. One, it's the one with the robot in it. <laughs> also known as Jet Jaguar. Uh, he, it's a silver suit, basically. Uh, it's supposed to be a robot. Um, really cool looking. I recently came to find out that Jet Jaguar, the robot, was originally the winning entry from a children's contest held by Toho Studios to come up with a new superhero for them. That's kind of awesome. Actually, I wonder if it spawned from the previous movie, uh, Godzilla vs. Gigan, where they started out the movie with a guy trying to create new monsters, so he had drawn up some stuff. It's entirely possible, but apparently it was a real contest with real children, and the winner got to see their creation made into, well, in this case, a robot for the film. It's awesome. Now, there is a little point of contention out there. According to Wikipedia... Contrary to popular belief, there is no evidence that oh. Godzilla vs. Megalon was originally planned as a Jet Jaguar solo film, and no Japanese sources have surfaced which claim otherwise. Ooh. So out among Godzilla fans, there's kind of a common mythology that this movie was supposed to be a Jet Jaguar solo film with just the robot flying around and fighting things and whatnot, but apparently that was not the case. Actually, this movie was made as a last-minute replacement for a different movie, which is kind of why it's thrown together a little bit with lots of clips from other movies in some of the action scenes. Uh, they reused a lot of the shots of the tanks and airplanes fighting. You would just see a laser come out of Megalon, and then it would cut to a clip from a different movie of a laser hitting a tank or a plane because <laughs> they were trying to save money. But I think the theory probably got started because Godzilla is only in the last 20 or so minutes of the film, so I could see how people might have gotten that impression. I mean, actually, he appears a little bit at the beginning, right? Yep, he gets knocked around the island when everything's blown up. And then, really, you don't see him again until they go summon him from the island. Yeah, he might only be really in, like, the last 20, 25 minutes of the movie. The other way, if you're a casual viewer or if you haven't seen Godzilla in a long time, that you can remember this film is because it's the one where, at the beginning, uh, it starts with a scene <laughs> of a kid out on a lake and he's riding this contraption, and it's unlike any kind of floating object you've ever seen before. It is amazing. It has a giant, what I'm assuming is fiberglass fish as the center section, and the, the kid sits on that. And then on either side of him, he has paddles, which are automatically spinning to paddle him through the water. But they're actually, each one of those is made of another fish. So there's a big fish. <laughs> With two little fish, and they are all fiberglass and smiling, and they're like, yeah, and he's paddling through the water. And this is what he's on when the earth begins to quake and the lake begins to drain at the beginning when, I guess because of the nuclear test? Uh, that's actually the Seatopians opening up a passage for uh, Megalon to get out. That's right. And it's starting to drain the lake. Yep. Um, 
Didn't you think it was convenient that his dad had a rocket propelled rope <laughs> launcher that he could uh, shoot out to the middle of the lake? Oh, when I go for a picnic, I always have a rocket grappling hook ready to go. Just to just to save his son from the shore. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, his little brother. <laughs> oh, that's a weird, weird setup with that family. Well, you know, the man appears to be in his late 30s and the kid appears to be about, what, six, seven? Yeah, somewhere around there. And apparently they're brothers. <laughs> and we don't know the nature of the other guy. His the other, <laughs> The other adult male, I call him his special friend. He could be another brother. He could be an uncle. We don't know. He's the bodyguard slash race car driver. Exactly. I don't think there are any, any ladies in their lives, at least not in that movie. Although when I've said they're brothers, it's just what I've read on various sites. There is nothing in the movie that says any way how they're related, if at all. Well, ever since I was a kid, I've wanted that giant fish boat, the fiberglass riding fish boat. But I wondered if I would be able to get it with different characters. Like he's on a fish and I was wondering, could I ride a big dragon with smaller dragons (laughs) as the paddle wheels? Wouldn't that be cool? Or Godzilla's? You could have a Godzilla. That would be awesome. In the middle, and then two little Godzillas, or Godzukis as the paddle wheels, if you really want to talk about films that Godzilla lovers hate. (laughs) Son of Godzilla. The thing a lot of people complain about in this movie, and the thing that I think, besides the lack of Godzilla, that makes hardcore Godzilla fans kind of question it, even though it's a really, really fun Godzilla movie, I think is because there is a young child who is one of the stars of the film and the American voice actor who dubbed the voice uh, did a really, really bad job. No offense to whoever it was that did it back in the day, but it clearly sounds like an older adult trying to do an annoying child. Oh my gosh, Godzilla! Godzilla! <laughs> it's Godzilla! Yeah, I can see why people don't like that. Why? <laughs> why? Uh, it's like, um, I didn't know that they let Roseanne Barr do the voice of children back in Godzilla <laughs> films in the 70s, but apparently. Ugh, it is brutal. It is brutal, but I don't blame, you can't blame the makers of the film. They had nothing to do with, or very little to do probably with the overdubs. And if you ever have ever seen just the straight Japanese version, the kid's not annoying at all. He has a normal voice. I don't know what he's saying, but he does not sound like the American voiceover. So if you're going to hate on the kid, uh, don't hate the Japanese child actor. Hate the American voice actor that did the (laughs) overdubs. Because that's the reason the kid seems so terrible. But if you actually watch his performance, he has a very thoughtful face and his eyes are very thoughtful. And he looks like he's really into what he's doing and he's doing a good job of acting. Obviously, I don't speak Japanese, so I don't, I can't confirm that for sure. But his tone is completely different than that of the the overdubbed voice actor. So, just chalk that up to bad, what we would call localization now in the video game biz. Speaking of the kid and his older brother, quote unquote, <laughs> uh, why does the inside of their apartment look like a '70s modern art gallery? <laughs> is it supposed to be cool? Darn it, he's an inventor. He's an inventor, but it looks like like a Soho artist on crack. <laughs> oh, that is one crazy house. There's like giant metal squares with pictures on them hanging from the ceiling down low enough that you'd run into them if you were in the house. Just giant cubes with art on all sides. I'm like, oh, this, of course this is what an inventor would have, not a workshop with tools. But it's so awesome. Come on. 
It is awesome. It just seems really strange, but it is one of the cool, fun things about the movie. There's a lot of fun things. I actually think the big fish paddle boat at the beginning is fun just because it's so weird and non sequitur. Oh, man. Yeah, that's like the first exposure to Japanese culture we ever had was that thing. And it's, we're just what? like, what? I wonder if that's really a thing or if that was just supposed to be some crazy invention by the inventor dad. I have. Or, I'm sorry, older brother. I have searched for that, and I cannot find it except in that movie. So it's probably supposed to be an invention by the inventor older brother. Some kind of weird boat thing. To me, it looks like it should be in a theme park somewhere. Maybe that's where it did come from, but... To me, of course, the biggest thing about this movie um, when I was a kid that made me want to watch it and made me think it was awesome was the robot, Jet Jaguar. At the time, I had never really seen anything like that. We didn't really have a lot of Japanese anime available to us back then. Not like there is now. You could watch entire generations worth of anime straight from Japan and you can watch some um, Japanese television shows and whatnot, but we didn't have that back in the eighties. So when I saw that Jet Jaguar robot, I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. What <laughs> is that? It's a robot, but it's not clunky looking like US robots. I mean we had Robbie the robot and who else? Oh, was it B9 from uh, Lost in Space? Exactly. We didn't have, it didn't look like a like a metal samurai. Although I will say they gave him a weird smile. <laughs> Jet Jaguar has a big, it's supposed to be a big friendly smile, but like all big friendly smiles that are inanimate, as in they don't move, uh, eventually when he's looking at you after a while, you start thinking, um, he's inside his head, he's thinking, I'm constantly smiling because I'm going to suddenly murder you. (laughs) I know, I've watched too many horror films. I guess that goes back to the whole thing about me not liking clowns because many of them have that constant, that crazy smile. And you're like, oh, I know what you're hiding behind the crazy smile. But Jet Jaguar, turns out, is actually a good robot. In addition to being super fun sci-fi, he actually reprograms himself so that he can fight the giant monsters. Yeah, he is incredible. His abilities to reprogram himself. If he wants to do something, they're just like, well, I guess he'll reprogram himself to do it. Well, at one point, Jet Jaguar defies physics by reprogramming himself to become larger. (laughs) I'm like, uh, where does the extra metal come from? Because he goes from about five foot five up to... About 60, 65 feet tall. 60 feet tall. And I started thinking, um, if he can make himself larger... And physics don't matter. You don't have to have extra material to make it. Why does he stop when he's just as large as the giant monsters he's going to fight? Why doesn't he just grow really big and squash Megalon like the giant cockroach he is? Maybe he ran out of material. (laughs) But it was coming out of nowhere, so. That's true. That's very true. If he can just change size at will, why not just go up to super giant size and just squash them both? And it would have been over in five minutes. (laughs) True, if he would have become like twice as big or three times as big. What are some of the things that you think are really fun about the film, Scott? I mean, it's all the same stuff as people in crazy suits fighting in miniature cities. Actually, this one takes most takes place mostly at kind of a hillside when she, once you get to the fighting. But well, I think that's how you can tell that it was done on a little bit lower budget than some of the other Godzilla films because usually they have these elaborate recreations of, usually it's Tokyo, 
or other Japanese cities that get destroyed. And they're all done in miniature, and they're really realistic. It's really well done. And basically, the actors thrash around on the set and smash everything in sight. And this one, as you said, a lot of it was on the hillside, except for that one shot that you caught. (laughs) Yeah, it's during the uh, smackdown they were having at the end. All four of them were wrestling, and Godzilla throws Gigan. He crashes into this little building that hasn't existed at all in any of the shots previous and disappears after he smashes into it. So it was clearly pulled from another Godzilla film. Godzilla vs. Gigan. <laughs> exactly. They're in the middle of nowhere fighting on this muddy, I guess, I don't know, I guess it's just out in the country. No buildings anywhere. And then he throws them and then suddenly he crashes into a building. You're like, what? Hey, man, he wiped it out completely. There wasn't even any remnants of the blue that was in the building. It's just dust. But they definitely took some uh, some cuts from Godzilla versus Gigan. There are also some shots of jets being destroyed. <laughs> Where you can actually see a monster that's not even supposed to be in the scene yet. Yeah. Oh, Megalon's swatting at some jets. Me- Megalon has kind of this split drill. One, one half is one hand, one half is the other. So he's fighting some jets. And then when he's swiping at the jets, all of a sudden he's got this big hook hand. The Gigan hook hand. The Gigan hook hand. And he's not, and Gigan's not even supposed to be at the location yet. Nope, not at that point. But they were reusing footage from other films. What was the other one? Uh, Megalon's electric beam that he shoots out of his antenna spike head thing. Just happens to be the exact same color and consistency of a previous film. (laughs) That one I think also came from Godzilla vs. Gigan with Ghidorah, who shoots the yellow lightning looking rays. For me, one of the things that makes this one of the really fun Godzilla films is not just the fact that there's people in rubber suits fighting, because you can find that in most of the classic Godzilla films. But for some reason, I don't know if it's the actors or the director or the fight choreographer, but they did different movements in this film than they did in (laughs) most of the others. For instance, Godzilla's entrance, where he decides to show up to the fight, and he's running across a field, and for some reason he's doing fist pumps, double fist pumps <laughs> in the air, which you've never seen Godzilla do before. And I'm just picturing the background DJ 2021. Wah, wah, wah. Godzilla's coming. Wah, wah, wah. Oh yeah, he gets the full wrestler intro there. <laughs> Introducing in this corner, Godzilla. And he's doing fist pumps. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> He's pumping both arms in the air, and I don't know why he's never done that in another movie or a movie since then, but in this particular one, there it is. And it's not the only thing. Um, This is one of, there's a couple films where the monsters communicate with each other through some kind of fake sign language. Since they don't have enough digits in their fingers or hooks or whatever they have, they can't use actual sign language. But they do a lot of dancing around, flipping their arms up and crossing them over their chest. And somehow that communicates something to the other monster. <laughs> I don't think this is the only film where that happens, is it? Uh, no, they've, most of the time when they're talking to each other, it's just like growls and grunts and stuff. Right. When he talks to his little friend, who's the one with the uh, spikes on his back? Angiris. He, sp- he speaks to him in other movies, I know yeah. for sure, using audio. But this one, they use some kind of... I guess because J- Jaguar can't speak. Well, none of them can speak, I guess, technically. 
but um, they use some kind of crazy sign language, which I thought was really fun. Yeah, that is cool. Some of my favorite parts or favorite things about this, even at a young age, I was very into technology and this movie had the weird fish boat at the beginning. It had the grappling hook a la Batman that you just take on picnics, of course, and remote control planes and mini motorcycles. And of course, the robot who becomes a giant robot. And at one point, uh, two points actually in the film, he's remote control as well with <laughs> speaking into the amulet. Oh, so you add all the, all the fun sci-fi tech stuff in there and then you slap Godzilla on it too. It's, it's just a, a match made in heaven. And the weird fighting techniques. Uh, at one point, <laughs> good old um, Jet Jaguar standing there and Megalon uses the dreaded merry-go-round fighting technique on him <laughs> where he spins in a circle around Jet Jaguar to try to make him dizzy because of all the inner ear fluid that robots have. Apparently it worked. <laughs> I don't know how that worked, but apparently you can just merry-go-round around him and knock him down. There were a lot of like pre-fight kung fu poses, even though they really didn't get into kung fu in it. But. I think the costumes are probably too restrictive for them to do a whole lot. Uh, with one, there was one big uh, <laughs> exception in this film. It wasn't kung fu, but it was more WWE wrestling. Oh yeah, when um, all of a sudden at the end, it actually becomes a lot like WWE wrestling because <laughs> they're kind of tag teaming and Jet Jaguar. Picks up, I'm trying to remember which one it was. Megala or Gigan? Gigan's the one he picks up, yeah. Uh, Jet Jaguar picks up Gigan and holds him, WWE style, like tag team. And then Godzilla runs back and then does a flying drop kick that must have gone, what, <laughs> 200 feet? 200 feet, yep. He uses his tail to support himself after he's got his momentum going. Somehow, and he slides, he just does a giant flying dropkick all the way across the field and then hits him, bam, WWE style. It's the craziest thing. It might be the craziest move I've ever seen in a Godzilla fight scene. It is a fairly popular meme. It's fantastic. It's incredible. It's really fantastic. Um, I think the whole... The weird fight movements and the weird full body, the way they talk to each other using <laughs> symbols. And it's just, it's a little left of center of a typical Godzilla movie. I don't know why, if it had a different director or writer or producer or what it was, but it just seemed to be 20% less serious and more fun than some of the other Godzilla films. Very true. Very true. Godzilla films sometimes can get very serious. Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, I believe, yep, is the one which is actually an allegory for pollution and the whole the great song Save the World. <laughs> it's a very 1960s psychedelic uh, version of Godzilla, but it's all like I said, it's actually about pollution and actually Godzilla himself is supposed to have an anti-nuclear war message, right? That's what event in that's what originally created Godzilla or woke him up or something was nuclear testing, right? Yes. Yep. Godzilla was supposed to be an analogy for the uh, bomb that was dropped on Japan by America. So a lot of other Godzilla films can get a lot heavier, but for some reason, this one, they decided to lighten up a little bit. They put a cool Japanese robot in it. Um, they put a kid who, yes, in the American version is annoying thanks to his dubbed voice. 
but uh, he's just a kid, and he runs around. Although, if you don't like the kid, um, if you pay close attention, at first, when the Seatopians send people to his apartment, or I'm not, <laughs> we're not actually sure who lives there. I think definitely the kid and his older brother, and possibly the friend. I'm not sure. For some reason, I guess the standards are different. Or were different in Japan of the 70s, but um, the bad guy, the adult male Seatopian agent who was sent there, picks up the kid and knees him in the nards. Just pow! <laughs> and drops him on the ground. <laughs> and you're thinking, holy cow, did that just happen? Did they just show an adult kneeing a kid right in his private parts? Uh-huh. And how many times did you rewind that? <laughs> well, you don't have to rewind it because at the end of the film... The kid and his older brother decide to try to retake their apartment instead of just calling the police or something. And the guy does it again. <laughs> Second time, pow, right in the nerves. The kid just drops him on the ground. I'm like, you do not see that in U.S. movies. Very, very effective fighting style, I guess. So even if you don't like the kid, you get to see him take it twice in the junk. Pow. Wow. Nonstop fun in this film, I'm telling you. <laughs> Uh, I know it's not the best Godzilla movie. Um, actually, what would you say is the best Godzilla movie? Ooh, Loaded it's, question. It's like asking a doll collector what their favorite doll is. Well, you see, there, there's differences between best and favorite. Actually, this is definitely one of my favorites, mainly just because it was around the time that we were introduced to them. They were all like on afternoon movie time or whatever. Saturday afternoon, you could see a Godzilla movie guaranteed in the 80s. I don't know, as far as favorite, this might be one of my favorites, actually. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I, either that or the original Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. An excellent film. Because what I was going to say was it's definitely not the best Godzilla movie, but it is definitely a fun one. And I think of it as Godzilla's buddy cop movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he teams up with the robot, a.k.a. Jet Jaguar. AKA, what did they call it in the Robot Man? The tagline Robot Man. Uh, yep, it's Godzilla's buddy cop movie, in my opinion, and or WWE tag team partner. And they really did seem to kind of tag up. I mean, they weren't taking in and out of a ring or anything, but even the enemy monsters were definitely fighting together and they would hold them, and one guy would hold them while the other guy would punch him. And yep. I was like, it's interesting that these wild. Wild animal monsters learn to fight like uh, wrestling <laughs> humans. Well, you know, they have TV. Why wouldn't they? Maybe they get the transmission. <laughs> this is just a really, really fun classic Godzilla movie. I would say it would be a good starting point to get into Godzilla. Maybe is your second Godzilla movie. Just because Godzilla doesn't get as much screen time as he usually does. And he doesn't destroy any cities. I think your first one, you should pick one where he destroys a city. Okay. It's kind of it's kind of Godzilla's thing. That if is he, his thing. That's how he came into the world. But it might be a good second Godzilla film because it's just really, really weird and really fun. You know, that's what it says under my yearbook picture from high school. <laughs> it was really weird and really fun. Nice. Anyway, do you have anything else to say about Godzilla versus Megalon, Scott? I'll check it out is what I'd say. It's definitely worth the viewing. I would concur. Well, we hope you all had a fun time hanging out with us today on Super Sci-Fi Party. 
If you'd like to tell us what you think about Godzilla vs. Megalon or any other fun sci-fi, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or send us an email at party at com. We'd be more than happy to hear from you. Remember, you can learn more about the show by visiting our website at com. If you enjoy Super Sci-Fi Party, please pass it along to your awesome sci-fi loving friends. We need your help to spread the word about fun science fiction. Today's episode completes our first season of Super Sci-Fi Party, so we're going to be taking a break for a while. I don't have an exact date for our return, but if you stay subscribed to the podcast, any future episodes should appear in your podcast feed. So until next time, for a Super Sci-Fi Party, I'm Todd Kinsley. And I'm Scott Kinsley. And in the immortal words of Doc Brown from Back to the Future, the future is what you make it. So make it a good one. Goodbye, everyone. Was that your Godzilla roar? Yeah, sadly. Nice. Today's episode completes our first season of Super Sci-Fi Party, so we're going to be taking a break for a while. Knees him in the nerds, just pow, and drops him on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>